Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Wednesday show is underway. Thank you so much for joining us. On the road tomorrow, the Indiana State Fair, Free Stage, me and Rob Bass for you. One of the uh, hip-hop all-timers right there, Rob Bass. Hopefully you can join me on the show coming up tomorrow, but we'll be out at the State Fair uh, to preview that, to talk up that, and then I believe I'm I'm going to bring him on stage. I may end up doing uh, Joy and Pain or something, too. You never know. That's tomorrow, Indiana State Fair. Dan Pat Stakes at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. That is coming up on Friday. And uh, evidently, there's going to be some fun after the show, too. So if you're in and around Madison County, in and around Anderson, and you want to join me up there, do so. That's on Friday. And believe it or not, it sounds so weird to say. I mean, hell, I say that every day. Check that. I say that every year regarding the the start of preseason. I can't believe it's back. You you think at some point after doing so many years of the Colts pregame show that I would believe that it's actually back. And it is coming up on Saturday morning, 10 a.m., We've got the Colts pregame show that begins at 10 a.m. right here. I believe it's uh, Bill Brooks and I and then the Gormans on the road in Buffalo coming up on Saturday morning. 10 a.m. is when we are officially underway. So be ready for that again on Saturday morning. It's going to be busy. Saturday's going to be busy. Got a lot of stuff going on around here. The least of which, and I mentioned this yesterday when this word broke that Kareem Hunt was on his way here, and I'm assuming whatever Kareem Hunt was doing is now complete. Now, there's two sides to this, and I could be wrong on both. Could be wrong on both. I felt yesterday that the way this was all laid out, and you could tell those that do that for a living, breaking news nationally, they are the ones that are so incredibly tied into the agents. All their info comes from the agents. Because you notice, right, everybody had the, the quote in there, um, a great visit with the Saints. Great visit. But 
And then Diana Rossini broke in from ESPN and suggested, yeah, it may have been great, Adam Schefter, but here's a twist. Now he's on his way to Indy because they're in need of a running back right now with one on pup. Actually, when you think about it, you know, one on pup, you got uh, Zach Moss with the broken arm. Uh, so, I mean, you need one big time. You got D, or Kenyon Drake in there, as we talked about yesterday. But to me, what I read into that, it was almost like that that was agent-driven to help out the price tag that the Saints evidently would be willing to pay. A great visit in New Orleans, but hey, now, you know, the Colts want this guy really bad. That was almost the way that I took it. I could be completely wrong, but I mentioned this yesterday. I kind of took it like that. Here's the other thing, too. And you can say what you want about the off-the-field issues, you know, going back four-plus years, whatever. And I know a lot of people certainly aren't on board, and I would be one of those people. But you also look at it in terms of production with that value. Why? You kind of look at the numbers from a guy also that was demanding a trade at the beginning of the season out of Cleveland, if you remember, last year. I don't even know why, and I said this yesterday, why you'd mess with it. I have no idea why you'd mess with it. I know, I know why they feel compelled, but I don't know why you would mess with it. Again, I know Zach Moss, broken arm, Deion Jackson was out on Tuesday. Like if you want to get a camp, running back body get a camp running back body but this would be doing more than that and you'd be doing more with that for a reason that uh, to the life of me i can't understand i don't know why you would even have interest oh well wait a minute now you aren't you about giving guys a second chance i'm fine with second chances but i also look at it in terms of production why would you mess with it why would you want that? Does anybody believe that if signed, there's going to be some sort of magic wand that's going to be waved and, hey, you know, this is it. There's the production all of a sudden. And I, I realize in Cleveland he was behind Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb's really good. Anybody else with me on that? Why even go there? Why do you feel it necessary? Especially right now. I know you need a camp body, but there are a thousand of those camp bodies roaming the streets right now. Only one of them. You just realize that maybe Kenyon Drake's not what you want. You realize that maybe you're not going to see Jonathan Taylor. And that's another aspect I'm going to get to in a second. So we're doing these things now, right? So Nick downstairs is just a wizard in terms of technology. I am not, as you well know. Uh, Nick says, it'd be great if you could give me a reel. A reel, I guess, in terms of social media, something that you put out there. It's a short video of me yip-yapping to you about stuff that I've yip-yapped to you about already or just about ready to do on the radio. Just me yip-yapping. So in in terms of yip-yapping, I, I asked that question. It, would you be on board with that? You're talking about a a so-called disposable position. 
you look at Jonathan Taylor, and I've said all along, I think Jonathan Taylor, to me, Jonathan Taylor would help expedite the growth process of a rookie inexperienced quarterback. I think he would. I think he would just by his production alone. Now, who knows what that thing is right now, and it certainly looks more negative than positive. Again, I'll get to that coming up in a second. What's Kareem Hunt do for you here? What do you guys think Kareem Hunt does? Just bring more of a focus on what's transpired in the past year plus around here? Or even going back further? More hands in the air going, uh, what? Why? For a disposable position and these are their terms right now too because they're the ones that don't want to extend Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor is more certainly massive of a so-called sure thing than Kareem Hunt is right now at this point in his career so if it's so disposable and you're not even willing to give anything whatsoever to a running back that is, when healthy, production-wise, among the league's very best, why would you even mess with this? Why would you feel compelled to mess with it? Yeah, on both sides. I mean, why would you want, oh, you're in that guy? Aspect of it. And then when somebody doubles back and then looks at the last year and the decline production-wise, you can look at it football-related, non-football-related. It makes zero sense. Zero cents. Just anybody limp through this right now. I mean, clearly, clearly, even with one of the league's best of the past, again, when healthy, there's no raise. There's no thought of an extension. So you need somebody else, and this is going to be an option. <laughs> oh, man. It is not, and it should not be, and we'll see. Maybe some of you disagree with me. But again, if you're going to go through all the trouble to solidify that position, then go through the trouble at working through the bullcrap that has been created here and go with what you know. Not with something that clearly, uh, listen, you know how this is going to go around here. When's the last time something went right? Well, it'll be okay. You know, he'll swoop right in and everything will be fine. When's the last time something went right around here? Seriously. When's the last time something went right? For those of you out there that are always saying, yeah, hey, bring it on. I think that's a great idea. When's the last time that was a great idea? Yeah, I think Jeff Saturday is a great idea. I think Sam Ellinger, that's a great idea. When's the last time something like this turned into a great idea? I would absolutely look at trying to cobble together something that I already have instead of messing with this. And we talked about that yesterday. We can go back to it, certainly. We'll get your thoughts and your opinions on it. And, and again, you, you can look at it from both sides. Both sides to me. Actually, you can go third if you want. Now, the, the fork in the road is, to me, 
you don't necessarily need it right now. Just bring somebody in as a camp body. All I ever hear is uh, you can just slot anybody in. Yeah, just slot anybody in at running back, and it's going to be okay. That's where we are in the NFL. And this is the anybody? Okay. I'm sorry. It makes zero sense to me. Anybody else agree? A lot of people disagree. We can get to that. As I mentioned at the outset, this is something else where I could be incredibly wrong. We got Greg Rakestraw, Zach Kiefer, and then Bowen coming up too. And I'll get their thoughts on it. But maybe it's because what I just explained about things not going right, things being wrong, being in the midst of nothing but basic chaos for such a long period of time. I mean, you you do, you start to believe everything. I think we're in a position as somebody that covers the Colts, you as a Colts fan, where if it's bad, you're at a point now where you believe anything. I mean, we're almost gullible, right? I mean, did not, we, we crossed the bridge long ago of saying, I can't believe that happened because we have seen so much in recent history, everything seems believable. Everything seems like, oh, yeah, that could happen. So I bring this to you as just a thought, and I'll do the same with our guests coming up a little bit later on. Because I brought this up yesterday with Mike Tannenbaum, and I'm also playing off of the former NFL general manager's thoughts on this too. Because I, I get it a lot from what you guys have said to me. A lot of you are saying, hey, I just clearly think that this ankle situation is much worse. Where do you side on this? Is it much worse? Is it, you know, well, he's limping around. He doesn't look right. Is it much worse or is is it a ploy? Is it a scheme? Is it plan C, plan D? I don't even know where we are right now, according to Jonathan Taylor's representation. Is this coming out of his reps playbook? Is this more about him being injured right now? You know, with an injury where at the same time he and EJ Speed had similar procedures and EJ Speed has been back seemingly forever and Jonathan Taylor is still limping around like Dr. Feelgood did the surgery. So you tell me. Is this more, you think, right now? All of a sudden, by the way, all of a sudden, he just break out into, yeah, he's basically off-site doing rehab. Does that sound like a guy that's actually off-site doing rehab and maintains an injury situation that has yet to be overcome, even with all these weeks, these months of rehab already? And again, remember, deemed a month ago by Jim Irsay as healthy. This is a guy that's struggling with that? Or is this a guy... That is, had his representation call a play out of a playbook to make sure that his client ultimately gets paid. Because we've said this all along. Well, you know what? What's the outcome of this? Because there's so much Colts leverage, he's ultimately going to get paid. Check that. He's ultimately going to play because he wants to get paid. And we've often wondered, uh, are there ways to do this to where... Clearly, somebody 
in a position as Jonathan Taylor right now, not happy with anything the Colts are doing. Is this a play from the playbook that could ultimately get him paid without playing? Where do you guys stand on that? I would have, I mean, such an incredible amount of Connecticut water questions of the day to ask. But whenever uh, Nick puts up that reel, you guys can check it out and answer for yourselves. But these are two things. And again, I would have less of an idea of justifying it before I talked to Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN on the show yesterday. And people want to say, well, I don't know about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, his personality is that. I don't know if he's somebody that would do that. I don't know if anybody still believes that right now. Because he has gone down a path with this. And believe me, it's like all hands on deck for him right now. And I understand it. He feels like and he has been certainly more worth what he is getting paid right now. And I've said that before about all of us at some point in our careers. I'm sure we've all felt that way. I mean, hell, I'd like to feel that way right now. I bet you would too. Jonathan Taylor certainly does. And he is at a point to where I don't know all of a sudden if this thing is going to be sewed up and done right. If the bridges will be rebuilt or whatever you want to say cliche-wise, if the toothpaste can be stuffed back into the tube. You know, all of those cliches, you think that can happen? Are we now, are we are to the other side of this to where we're really going to see some foolishness? Because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, the Colts played that non-football-related injury situation. Remember with the back? Mike Chappell, Stephen Holder had that story. And clearly that came from the Colts. You you know it came from the Colts because it wasn't agent-driven. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor's agent calling up and saying, well, this is what the Colts are thinking about doing. If the agent's calling up somebody and getting somebody to report their story, their version, their side, you know, they're going to Rappaport or Schefter or whomever. So you're going to see one side and then you're going to see the other. I mean, always know this, that when the local side gets it, it it comes from the club. It comes from the organization. And when it hits nationally, because they want this broad scope, I mean, they, they want this wide berth where everybody with the millions upon millions of ex-followers, for example, of Adam Schefter, they want everybody to see it and then everybody to talk about it. But when it comes to breaking news around here, you know, ultimately it's going to come from the team. Just how it always works. So where do you buy Jonathan Taylor? The injury is dogging him out right now. The rehab, that's true. Or is this a ploy? Is this, again, a page from a so-called agent playbook? Talk about that over the course of the afternoon. I, I tend to lean on the other side of this. I do. Until... Proven wrong, and I could be. Could very well be. And it's funny, too. You think back, you think back a month ago, you would have never thought this. Not one ounce. But again, you go back to Jim Irsay with Pat McAfee, you know, stating that he's healed up. 
and then you watch him move around. And more than a couple of you have asked me, does this look like a guy that's healthy? Does that look like a guy that's healthy, or does it look like a guy who's playing it out right now? Who knows there's going to be zero common ground, but as we've talked about before, the guy wants to get paid. I don't blame him for wanting to get paid. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes, but I do want your thoughts on both of those sides of things regarding uh, Kareem Hunt, regarding Jonathan Taylor, and the Colts back at practice coming up tomorrow. Greg Gregstraw is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He jets off to Buffalo this weekend. That's something else, too. I'm going to have to sit in here and watch this because that's on 59, right? I don't know 59. I guess I do. I do. I don't have an antenna, but I have a Roku stick. So I'm able to get it, just not on the television in which I normally watch it on. That is direct tv driven and on direct tv shout out to next star i don't have that right now so looks like i'll be doing that in here i'll just stay in here actually what 10 a.m until midnight on saturday that sounds like a hell of a day greg rakestraw is going to have the call he rick venturi lara overton on tv of course matt taylor has you on radio that is coming up at one o'clock on saturday 10 a.m the pregame coverage begins right here Zach Kiefer of The Athletic is going to join us. We'll ask similar questions to Zach coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And Bowen, we'll get Bowen's thoughts across the board with this coming up a little bit later on, too. Uh, we got Luke Bryan tickets to give away, right? Luke Bryan, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Listen to win for those ticket possibilities a little bit later on. And we got the uh, Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day again today, right? I want you guys to win some free stuff. I'm going to tell you this. 50 bucks in betting and dining at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino on Anderson is legit. That's awesome. Find some great food there. Some free bets down. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Reds this afternoon. Well, getaway day. And they once led 4-1. to one. And they are now tied in the eighth at four. I got Buck Sims yesterday. We all did. When David Bell made the call to the bullpen to get Lucas Sims. Uh, It was tough for me not to want to vomit. And I know, well, three consecutive days. I don't care if it's one. And I know among the best in that bullpen, he has been that. That doesn't mean anything. I cringe when that guy is out there, much like I cringe when and I, not even the triple and scoring on an error helped me out in terms of Fairchild. So I'm no on Stuart Fairchild, and I'm no on Lucas Sims. For all. This may end up Reds fans getting rough, and I hope, again, that you soaked it up. I hope that you soaked up, especially June. June, honestly, was the best month for Reds baseball since 1990. The best month. Uh, Well, they've been to the the postseason, you know, going back. Don't have to go all the way back to 90. What I'm saying is, like, 1990, it just seemed like every month was great. You go wire to wire, that's the way that it is. But the month of June was the best for me watching the Reds 
And before that, you got to go all the way back to 1990. Basically, since the All-Star break on, actually right before the All-Star break, if you want to get technical, it has not been. For all afternoon baseball, Marlins and Reds from Great American. Brewers Trail, I guess that's a good news story right there. Bottom of the fourth inning at home against the Rockies, 4-2 is that score right now. And you got some other games coming up this afternoon and later on this evening. That includes the Cubs and the Mets from City Field in Queens later on tonight at 710. All right, stuff to give away. I got calls to get to. We got Greg Graystraw coming up at the bottom of the hour. Zach Kiefer, Kevin Bowen. The numbers 239-1070. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. If you guys are watching right now and you're wondering what's on the shirt right here, um, it is Phoebe Cates. It's Linda from the great film Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and it's a T-shirt that Jake Query got for me where we all so many times back in the days of VCRs paused at this very moment in the film. Paused. I And listen, I don't feel awkward in telling you, I, I think most of us dudes probably explored ourselves a little bit during that particular moment we probably were introduced to it self-exploration but if you're asking what this shirt is it is phoebe cates fast times at ridgemont high and that moment in the film in which we have all fellas especially those in generation x we have all paused the tape and probably wore the tape out Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, HD radio is right there for you. If you have that in your car, truck, or van, I'm telling you, it's a go-get right there. It's awesome. Great sound. The stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And tomorrow, the State Fair, I will uh, bring on to the stage one of the hip-hop classics. Rob Bass with me coming up tomorrow, Indiana State Fair. Free stage. Join me. I think three dog nights out there later on this evening. Check that out, the Indiana State Fair. Dan Patch Stakes coming up on Friday, Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Going to be there with me for that, too. And a busy weekend, to say the least. Hey, JMV, I think Taylor is either close to being traded or he is really hurt. I just, I, listen, I never say never any longer. Again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we have well gone past that threshold here. I can't see either. I can't see him being traded right now. And I would question until I see otherwise the health 
and whether or not this is more of a play from a playbook than it is anything else to hopefully maintain getting paid. Seberg writes this, so whether it makes sense or not, one thing is clear here. Jonathan Taylor is not coming back ever. Hey, my reel is up there. Got three questions and one to grow on at JMV 10-7. You can answer them, and I'll read them on the air a little bit later on. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you in a second, too. Zach Kiefer, top of the hour. Bowen's going to slide in in the 5 o'clock hour like White Snake, right to the top. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline, in a very awkward fashion, and I'm sure he would rather me say something else before I bring him on the air. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Hello, Greg. How are you? I am used to your awkward transitions by now, my friend. I am great. How are you? All right. So are you ready? you got all the names memorized on both sides of the football, ready to do a little bit of TV coming up on Saturday afternoon. I think I am. I just got my haircut for my 30 seconds of being on camera, buddy. I think we're ready to go. Oh, man, the haircut. How long is the haircut do you get take? Seemingly shorter. By the is that I'm awkward, so. too? I'm sorry. Is that bad? <laughs> no, that's, that's not awkward at all. Uh, I, I think we're about to the point of we have lost the war. It's about time to send the soldiers home. But I don't want to try that three days out before being on uh, great television stations across the Midwest. So there might be a radical hairstyle change coming up from me in about three or four weeks. We'll see. How many stations are you going to be a part of? Uh, with the exception of those that have direct TV are are going to struggle if they have Nexstar like here in town, but how many stations are you a part of? I don't know. I mean, normally we are on in like, say, Louisville, Evansville, Terre Haute, Fort Wayne. Uh, randomly, we get picked up by a station on Honolulu, Hawaii most years. Uh, so I'm not sure if we're on K5 or not. I have I do not have the exact list, but I'm sure I will have access to that by the uh, by the end of the weekend. So uh, Diaz just gave up a solo home run in the ninth, and uh, the Reds now trail. They once led 4-1. to one. They're down 5-4 right now, Greg. And, you know, I remember that some dope was on the radio last week saying, hey, you know what, it's not a big deal that the Reds went out and or didn't go out and acquire pitching at the trade deadline. And, you know, but, but they're playing so well it's going to be fine. <laughs> I oh, was did, did, you, did you say that? By the way. I, I didn't like I any of the deals. That, yeah. Well, I, I, I said something similar. I just said I didn't like any of the proposed right. deals because, honestly, Greg, I felt that this type of breakdown was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's something to the fact that, and I said this too last Tuesday or last Wednesday when it was on, I basically said, listen, there was nothing great that was available, and it wasn't about – not giving up, you know, prospects down the line. I think it was just there was not that many, you know, great talents that were available at this point in time. Um, that just sounded and, like, oh, there he is. I'm sorry, he went away for a moment. Greg, continue. My apologies. Um, basically, my thought would be is that there's, there's, you could probably push the trade deadline back about 15 days and have a much better grasp as to who needs to be buyers and who needs to be sellers. Because at this point on August the 1st, like 20 to 25 to 30 teams still think they're a playoff team with that much time left to go. So maybe we change the trade deadline going forward. If I'm going to have two trade deadlines now, but just one, maybe let's move it back a couple of weeks. We'll get a better idea as to who exactly should be in the market for talent and who shouldn't be. All right, Greg, let's go back to the Colts. Of course, you and Rick Venturi, Lara Overton, have the television call coming up on Saturday afternoon in Buffalo. What do you make of the latest? Are you a fan, for example, of them even taking a look at Kareem Hunt? 
And knowing their injuries, but also knowing how disposable that position is to the point to where, you know, they don't have any interest in even doing anything for Jonathan Taylor right now. Why would you go this direction when it's so disposable? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but but I I think the fact that Kareem Hunt is available indicates that you could be much more short-term on the planning at the running back position. Um, I, I it, this does send very much a, a a message everybody involved that I do think the Colts might be ready to say maybe our future does not have Jonathan Taylor in it, which I am floored that I am saying this, you know, two or three weeks in the training camp, but it certainly appears that the Colts potentially could be planning for a future without him. And I, and I mean like an immediate future. So it's one thing to bring a guy like Kenyon Drake, who is, you know, still had some did some decent things for the Ravens, is two or three years removed from having a, a thousand yard season or close to it for the Arizona Cardinals. But you bring in a player potentially bring in a player like a Kareem Hunt, that tells me that you may be planning long term to not have Jonathan Taylor here. And again by long term I mean during the course of this season. So to me there is a lot of messaging to be read by the fact that Colts are at least having serious conversations with him. I don't even view Kareem Hunt being a serious long term solution here. I don't. No, he's he's a one year thing. But again, I I'm not sure if you're going. Yeah, I mean, to I mean, have... long term, long term is in this year, Greg. I don't, I don't view yeah. that as a solution. I just don't. And it's not, it's not even all encompassing the off the field stuff in the past and what we have gone through here. It is just where he is right now in his career. I, I mean, right. you can find somebody else. I mean, people always tell us, Greg. You know, it, it's a position you can just go ahead and slot anybody in. It's going to be fine. All right, well, then slot anybody in, it'll be fine. Just not him. The thing is, is that there was all the four guys at practice yesterday, John. <laughs> Deion Jackson was, was, was not carrying a football. Obviously, Zach Moss is going to be out until right around the season opener. Literally, the four – and you don't have to have your running back room set by the first preseason game. Lord knows I understand that. But the four players that went through running back drills yesterday, Jake Funk, who has two career NFL carries – um, you know, haul your draft pick out of Northwestern. Uh, Xavier Scott, who played at both UConn and Maine, and then it was Kenyon Drake. So I understand why the Colts are at least kicking the tires on somebody at this point. Would Dalvin Cook, for example, be more of a message-sending play than Kareem Hunt would? Like, to me, that's when you're serious. Like, to this almost, and I mentioned this earlier, this was almost yesterday when this was reported, it was like that the agent for Kareem Hunt was trying to get more money out of New Orleans than he was actually having interest here. I think there's something to that standpoint. Um, I would say if you're Dalvin Cook, you are probably looking at going to more of a team that you think has a, more of an immediate chance to win than do the Indianapolis Colts do right now. I think that is what is on his radar. Maybe a guy like Kareem Hunt has a few less choices at this point. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, again, you're talking about a running back position where <laughs> they're just going to wait around. I guess you wait around and not have to pay him right now. That makes sense. But I just, I guess I view Kareem Hunt differently right now than anything else. And Kenyon Drake, to a lesser degree, if you're talking about terms of production, um, I, I think Kenyon Drake makes sense because of the types of quarterbacks in which he has worked with in the past. That that part makes sense to me, but uh, it just kind of seems like, again, the Colts find themselves in a very awkward slash at times ridiculous position. Here we are. 
I would say this. Here's the one other thing that I will throw out here, and I'm not sure this pertains to Jonathan Taylor or not, but just in terms of can you tell I prepped the running backs today for the broadcast on Saturday? Gonna have to. Um, one, one of the things that, that, that struck me in looking at the guys that are currently on the roster is the way they have been featured as receivers, whether it has been in the National Football League, whether it has been in college. And so just kind of something to consider in this offense, especially with a young quarterback or a guy that tends to maybe throw the ball more in, in, in the short passing game like a Gardner Minshew, is that you know it, it's been talked about in the past. I think it's going to be more than lip service this year. Whomever the running back is going to be, has to have the ability to make catches out of the backfield. I think that's going to be far more of a part of the game plan this year than it has been in years gone by. So Greg Rakestraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Other things you're looking for coming up on Saturday in this preseason game one you get the call of. Well, obviously, how much is Anthony Richardson going to play? How much will the starters play in total? Could you actually see the starters play more in this game than you do in future games? just because of the fact you don't have the workouts with the opposing team like you've got for the last couple of games. Will we see Shaq Leonard? Um, I think it's possible he plays on Saturday. I'd say it's more likely he plays the following Saturday because that is in front of your home crowd. Uh, But he needs to get some reps at some point in time. And frankly, do the ones on offense get more time just so you can give more time to Anthony Richardson who has got to play? So those are obviously some of the things that I'll be thinking about and then talking about very early in the broadcast. On I Saturday. know you've been up to a lot of practices at Grand Park in preparation for the preseason calls you're going to have, but give me some impressions that you have, especially offensively, some guys that you have felt have stood out and made some strides, for example, compared to the last time that you saw them. You know, the crazy thing is is that we have been so focused on – Who's getting the one reps at quarterback, which have been virtually identical? It rotated back to Gardner Minshew yesterday. We've been so focused about Jonathan Taylor not being out there, looking at him on the sideline, and so focused as to Shaquille Leonard being out there, and, and, and clearly he's the good story of training camp right now. The other one is that Anthony Richardson has made legitimate progress. I've seen it the last couple of three weeks. He's gotten better as most practices have gone on. Maybe he wasn't as great yesterday, but he's been better lately. And not that he was terrible beforehand, but you can see the progression that he is making. It's not like that you've been able to spend a lot of time kind of saying, hey, that guy has really popped, or hey, this, this guy has really stood out to me because we're so laser-focused in on two or three big stories. If I had to give you a couple of names, here's what I would do. There's a linebacker named Saguna Luby. Where's number 50? Uh, let's face it, if Shaq Leonard is healthy, EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin, you know, are, those guys are getting 85 to 90% of the reps. But that player that I mentioned in the Luby that wears number 50 looks like a guy that's going to make the roster uh, because he seems to be around the ball um, whenever there is a play to be made. In terms of offensively, a couple of wide receivers that have caught my attention Alec Pierce making plays, Mike Strawn making plays. I think Mike has to earn his way onto the roster. He's shown talent the preseason before. He's been largely quiet the last couple of years. And as I start to do the roster math, 
I kind of think the wide receiver position is, is kind of covered with five guys that are likely going to make the team, barring injury. Now, could you slide them through on practice squad? Absolutely. But Pierce and Sean have been the guys that have caught my attention in terms of wide receiver. And honestly, it is easiest to look at quarterback and wide receiver in training camp. That's the stuff that tends to translate in practice. It's next to impossible to see running back, tackling, pass rush, et cetera. You don't get to see that until they're playing somebody else. All right, what time you guys hit the airwaves on Saturday? So we hit the airwaves at 1 because kickoff is so early. So, you know, you get to do two hours of pregame show. I do. I get like three minutes, and then boom, here we are. Here's the season. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, your partner will handle that, no doubt. You can just like say, hey, football's back. And what do you think, Rick? Man, you're stealing my lines. It's exactly how we scripted out for Saturday. We, we, we will have a we will have a pre-production meeting on Friday night, yep. and uh, and my and my total talk time will not be long, and I am perfectly fine with that. All right, man. Well, we'll be uh, we're watching. I'll have to uh, find a way to watch, but we'll be watching, uh, and obviously I'll be sitting in the studio listening to Matt as well. So it. Uh be dual here radio and tv you can check out greg and rick and lara coming up on saturday that's preseason game one in buffalo they get underway at one o'clock greg rakestraw is with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline hello greg thank you very much appreciate you you're going to miss by the way a jamby takeover on saturday well no that's the great thing is man you know with a one o'clock kickoff I get to fly oh, back. Oh, yeah. You'll be back by then, I, won't you? I'm sorry. You will. I will, I, yeah. I will be listening. Right. On the, and we're going to make this a tradition because I called in from the hotel in Buffalo last year. They didn't fly. We had a 4 o'clock game. I didn't fly back until the next morning. I'm flying back on you know late Saturday afternoon. So go ahead and have Nana Cherry Buffalo stance queued up because <laughs> every time I'm doing a game from Buffalo, I'm calling and requesting that song. Do you like Eagle Eye Cherry as much as you do Nana Cherry? Uh, I, I am probably much more of a, of a Nana Cherry fan. Right. But it's probably, I mean, nothing against Eagle Eye. He, too, had a great one-hit wonder. Probably would lean more towards the original, the late 80s version. All right, man. Have a great call on Saturday, Greg. Thanks, buddy. So, Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Ellie De La Cruz, one and two. Runner on first, two outs. Bottom of the ninth. The Reds trail 5-4. Let's all guess what happens in this situation right here. One and two, two outs, bottom of the ninth, Reds once led four to one, now trail five to four. De La Cruz actually stepped out, called time, back in. Going to get a bender of some sort here. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's funny. When Greg brought up, the whole pitching thing and the fact the Reds didn't go out and, and get anything. And, and I told you this the entire time. I, I just expected the bottom to fall out on it. They were so fortunate in the month of June in so many different ways. And I expected at some point for this all to end. And in the past now three series, it absolutely has. Quick break. We'll come back. Zach Kiefer, the athletic, coming up at the top of the hour. Kevin Bowen's in the 5 o'clock hour. I got calls to get to, and I've got tickets to give away on the road, both tomorrow and Friday. I shall explain, give you a chance to win some stuff and more. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's a Greg Rakestraw podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Zach Keefer, top of the hour. Kevin Bowen's going to get in here, too. Brian writes this. Kareem Hunt can help. Great hands for a running back and also run like a traditional running back. Helps the youthful quarterback. You ask why. I say, why not? Uh, JMV, what are you most looking forward to getting your eat and drink on with tomorrow? <laughs> Should be good. Free stage, state fair, me, Rob Bass. Uh, JMV, what are the official JMV odds that Taylor plays for the Colts this season? Well, it has gone since I thought if he was going to be doing anything, he was going to be playing. But maybe they have this figured out that he's not going to play. Maybe he is struggling to come back from it. Um, I would go with the latter at this point, even if I have no evidence of it. But shrinking. Shrinking is what I would say right now. From John Buzzard, I know this is not helping content leading to the NFL season, but I don't care at this point if Jonathan Taylor plays for a team that isn't making the playoffs. If he plays, he plays. Moving on would be fantastic. Love the show as always, but most are over it. Pam Brown says, I'm only partial to the JT question. Seems to me that his ankle would have been well healed this long after surgery, so a possible ploy? Or was there an additional non-sports-related injury afterwards? I'll answer your question with my question. Which obviously, with the reports of a couple of weeks ago from Mike Chappell and from Stephen Holder, and my guess that came from the Colts, something that has been looked into. Meantime, 239-1070. Ray, jump on board here before the top of the hour. How are you? Hey, Jamie. You caught me in the middle eating a... A few pieces of my Cheez-Its. No, but, there's uh, nothing wrong with a good cheese. Are you, you going with that old classic mix right there? You going with a reduced fat, maybe a little uh, white cheddar cheese? What do you got working? No, I have the oriz- original Cheez-Its. Oh, there you go, buddy. Nothing wrong with yeah. it. I'm a Cheez-It fan, big time. <laughs> well, I'm calling in um, two things. Um in the off season, when Stipen was hired, um, the media asked Jonathan Taylor w- about his role in the new offense, and his comment was, "He's going to be looking up, watching Michael Pittman catch a lot of balls." Uh, um, and so, do, do you think that plays a little into something with the contract negotiation? And my second part to that question is, could this? him going off-site be something into where other teams are asking for this through his agent to show that he is actually healthy enough to probably get on the field? Um, I would believe anything at this point. 
Um, I, I just brought up, I brought up that point because Mike Tannenbaum brought it up to me yesterday regarding, you know, is, is he really that injured or is this a way to and, – and, and you bring up a different angle to it. I just brought up an angle of which I would believe he'd be able to get paid and not play. So up until this point, we've all said, Ray, I think he's going to have to play to get paid. And it just makes you wonder if this isn't some sort of play out of a playbook to get him paid while he's not playing here because he no longer wants to. So maybe it comes down to, you know, they just uh, have changed their mind. They're going to end up trading him or whatever. But I, I think at this point, it could be anything. That's why we're investigating all these avenues. And what do you think will be uh, a feasible trade option for getting some somebody like oh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he might as well forget about that. I mean, what are you going to get? You're going to get a fifth rounder of, I mean, at best a fourth round. You're not going to get that, are you? I mean, it's going to be something low round. I, I, would you be a team out there that's going to give up very much at this point, well, knowing it, what it you know? Where I'm, where I'm at, you know, yeah. um, it would just have to depend, you know. Yeah, I, I can't imagine there's going to be anything that Colts fans would suggest right now. I think it's going to be something incredibly lower. There's going to be all low ball efforts right here. And I think if, if the Colts did have a change of heart, thank you, Ray, for the call. That's uh, exactly the, the time and place in which you're going to be looking. Is lower round, not much value, and you're going to go, whoa, that's what you get in return? If, again, there's a change of heart. Zach Kiefer about that coming up at the top of the hour. Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour. Your chance to win Luke Bryan tickets, too. Don't go away. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So, Graham Ashcraft for the Reds goes seven strong, three hit ball. Seven strikeouts. Ultimately, out of the bullpen is exactly where David Bell went. And the lone acquisition at the trade deadline was left-hander Sam Mall, or as I like to call him, Sam Mole. And Sam comes in and promptly gives up a three-run home run to tie it up. And then the other De La Cruz on the field for the Marlins off of Reds closer Diaz in the top of the ninth inning was the difference. 5-4 Marlins over the Reds. Ashcraft gave them a great game. And uh, you want to talk about the manager. You want to talk about the bullpen. You want to talk about the nerd. He's the nerd now. When they're going well, he's not the nerd. Now he's the nerd. But the bullpen let them down again. Reds lose 5-4. Kareem Hunt stories. Ah, the story of Marlon Mack. Yet another injury for the former Colts running back. Done for the season with an Achilles injury. Mm. 
Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. We'll get to your calls in just a second. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic, he does join us. Man, that's absolutely brutal for a dude who has been down that path before, brother. I hate it. I hate it. Marlon was one of the nicest guys in all my years covering the Colts, and I remember that day in Jacksonville where I want to say the second offensive play of the game maybe. He he basically ended his season in Indianapolis and, and didn't get to really ever be the same player again. And it feels like his career – took a turn on that play but man 2018 luck was still here that dude was rolling and that was a fun running back to watch so zach Kiefer is with us speaking of other running backs and i'll get to the taylor situation with you and my thoughts and what you think coming up in a minute what do you think about this interest in kareem hunt and understand uh they need running backs right now but are you in a position where you need a guy like Kareem Hunt? And I'm talking about both the on-the-field production where he is in his career right now, the off-the-field stuff from the past. Do you need, even with your running back situation and the injuries, Kareem Hunt that bad right now? Doesn't it tell you that they think, yeah, that they're at least kicking the tires with this guy? Um, there's a couple of things I want to hit on with this. I mean, one, I think it tells you the Colts realize this Jonathan Taylor thing isn't likely to get wrapped up anytime soon. And I know it's only August 9th, but that's about a month from the season. How much time does he need to practice? Is he even close to practicing? Like, it feels like it's getting increasingly obvious by the day that that dude is not suiting up for that season opener against the Jaguars. And then secondly, there's a lot of layers to Kareem Hunt, right? And I thought KB and and Jake talked about this really well this morning on their show. Look, this is a team – with an owner in Jim Irsay, but also with three female owners. His three daughters are vice chair owners of this team. And this is also a team that was ready to pursue Deshaun Watson a year and a half ago, right? Like, I don't know if this is out there. I don't know if this is talked about. They were ready to pursue Deshaun Watson and then live with whatever happened. The reason it didn't go forward was not of the Colts' volition. It was the Houston Texans saying, heck no, we're not trading this guy within the division. But I'm not saying they would have signed him, but they were at least having the conversations and they were willing to move further with that. Now, that tells you a lot about where they were. And maybe the daughters stepped in, maybe Kalen or Carly stepped in at the finish line and said, no, we're not going to welcome a player who has been accused of what Deshaun Watson has been accused of. With, Ty, with, with Kareem Hunt, it, it's a little bit different, right? I mean, like, you've seen the video. I've seen the video. Everybody's seen the video of him attacking and hurting and injuring a woman. And then when she's on the ground, going after her again. I mean, it's just it's just hard to talk about. So, you know, this is a team that's preached character and preached that a lot in their draft evaluations. And while I think it's a little bit different during the draft, you're a team that's all about togetherness and character. After what you just put your fan base through last year, the disaster and the embarrassment that was 2022 for this season – now you're willing to welcome a guy who's had a shady pass that's going to probably help you on the field, right? Let's be honest. He's going to help you. You're so depleted at running back. There's a lot of layers there, and there's a lot of questions the GM, the owner, and that organization would have to answer if they bring Kareem Hunt in. Well, and, and the other thing, and Zach, I want to get back to a lot of those comments you just made. Zach Kiefer from the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And, and I made a guess on this. I, I felt what well, was an educated guess because all the, all the national folks uh, reported, you know, Kareem Hunt had, you know, a great visit in New Orleans, and now he's off to the Colts. And to me, I kind of read that as 
it seemed like that the reps for Kareem Hunt, they were trying to get more money out of the Saints, yeah. and the Saints had decided that's who we want, but let's see if we can squeeze any more money out of them and, and put this Colts situation in there. So I, I, I do kind of wonder if there is as much interest that the Colts have in him right now is what a lot of people believe just because of that quote alone. Would you agree? Yeah, that was totally my sense. Is He had a great visit with the Saints. Let's go see what Indy's willing to offer and see if we can use that as leverage, right? But it still, it still bears the question, are you really willing to bring this guy in? And then if, if so, um, how, bad is your rece- how bad is your running back room right now? How bad are your conversations with Jonathan Taylor right now? And then you're really willing to bend on something you preached and preached and drove down our throats in the media and, and preached to your fans for years and years about character. And then the other thing, too, everybody in the world now says running back is so disposable, just slot anybody in. You know, a six-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and everything's going to be okay. Uh, and right now you're just looking for, I know, some running back camp bodies. Maybe you're looking for more considering Jonathan Taylor's situation, of which we'll get to in just a second. But it just it, it to me, if you're going to go down this path, it really would be anybody but. You know what I mean, Zach? I mean, anybody yeah. but this direction. Yeah, and and here's the thing, like, this team's in a really unique spot. It's not in a spot that it was the last couple years. They don't have to win this year. I think the fans understand that. The overriding objective of this season is to see where this kid is at at the end of the year, where Anthony Richardson is at. My stance on this all along was having Jonathan Taylor there helps him a lot. But you don't have to win this year. You don't have to compete in the AFC South. This is about building for 25 and 26. But, yeah, to your point, you can just throw in any running back. Not any running back that they have on this roster. This might be the worst running back room in the league right now in terms of guys that are available. I think KB was running through the numbers this morning. Like, one guy's an undrafted free agent. The other guy has two career carries. The other guys are, like, never played in the league. Like, sure, you can plug in any capable running back, but when Zach Moss went down, that really changed things for this team. It sure doesn't sound like Jonathan Taylor's ready to slip on a uniform anytime soon. I mean, that, that's going to help. That's going to really help their desire to go sign someone because the reality is, and I think they understand this from the top, Ursay, Ballard, even Steichen, they know that this season is about seeing what they have and getting the reps out of Anthony Richardson. And if you're having him hand it to some no-name running back who can't pick up a first down, that's going to make life a lot harder. That's a very real factor in this. And they really box themselves in with this situation. JT isn't any closer they got one guy unlucky get hurt gets hurt it's it's really really tough to see this team having a good running back room this year unless Taylor miraculously returns well Zach with that in mind it bears the question then then why deal with Taylor in the form and fashion in which you have if if you realize how necessary that position is and how much it is there to help the future and the learning possibilities right now of an inexperienced rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, why have you treated Jonathan Taylor in this situation in the fashion in which you have? Yeah, that's that's my stance all along. We've talked about this. Like I was always on board with paying this guy because it helps your quarterback, because it backs up the motto you've had since since Ballard took over. You pay your own. Now I will add two caveats. One, I don't know what specifically Taylor is asking. I've heard it a lot. Now if he's asking for like a record breaking contract, more than McCaffrey, more than Derrick Henry, right. I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. And Jim Mercer has made that clear. The other thing, and this is really weird. 
is this guy was working out in March. Like, he had off-season surgery. He was working out as early as March and April. And then he comes to camp, and he's not ready to go. Now, maybe there's a setback. But my understanding, and from talking to people around the building when I was still on the beat, was like there was no concern this guy was going to be full go at the start of training camp. EJ Speed, similar injury, he's out there. That, I think, threw the team for a little bit of a loop. Now, with the changing agents and the changing tone from Jonathan Taylor's camp, I think it's fair for the team to wonder, where is this ankle at before we pay you? And then also, if you're not willing to be out there, if you're not willing to get ready to get ready for this season, I think there's some pause on the team's part, and I think that's fair. But to answer your earlier part, that's what I was telling you for months. Like, you need to keep this guy on the field so it makes life easier for your rookie quarterback. So Zach here for the Athletic of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I've asked this question, kind of put it out there. I was talking to Mike Tenenbaum about this very thing yesterday, and he brought it up as well. Um, and, and what you just said, uh, combined with what Jim Mercedes said a month ago on Pat McAfee's show that Jonathan Taylor was all healed and then everything went to hell in a handbasket, presumably after that, is, is this a ploy? Is this a scheme? Is this like plan C or D from the representation of Jonathan Taylor to make sure that if he doesn't want to play and isn't going to play, he still gets paid? I mean, only Jonathan Taylor can answer that, but is it fair to ask can, that question right now? Because I, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. As bad as this is, as, as as amicable as this is not right now, like this is bad. Like this is, you know, the Colts, you know, maybe putting him on NFI, like that seemed like a threat to me from the team. Yes. Like is it, is it getting that bad? It feels like it's a fair question to ask. And the problem here, the one voice we've not heard from is Jonathan Taylor. And I go back to this, John. In April, we got to sit down with him for the first time since the season ended, and he said, look, I made an obligation to this organization. I put pen to paper. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to play for this team for four years. If a contract extension happens, it happens, that's great. Now, he thought at that point he was going to get one, but you can't say that and then completely turn those words around and do the exact opposite come training camp. Now, maybe he's hurt. Only Jonathan Taylor can answer that, and that's why it's so frustrating because you haven't heard from him besides a couple tweets and we know where he stands on the running back situation. But, but that's the reality. And, and look, I don't, I don't blame the Colts for a lot of this because this guy's under contract. And just because other guys got paid early doesn't mean it's an obligation for this team to pay you early. Now, that's what they said they were going to do, and I believe that was their intent. But I think this ankle changed things. And Jonathan Taylor's own words three, four months ago was, I'm going to play for this team, and I'm under contract. And something's changed. I want to know what changed. And it very much makes sense that the agent got in his ear and he's taking a different stance. And it's not helping him, and it's certainly not helping the team. Well, I certainly think that's a playbook, and this is one of the plays from that that particular playbook that we're talking about from the, yeah, the it ain't working. Yeah. It ain't working so far. But but I also do blame the Colts too in this. Um because if it comes down to that this is really not an injury and this is just a ploy or a scheme. If you could have done anything whatsoever, and I go back to what you said and what you've said before about the level of importance that he brings to this team in this situation offensively with their quarterback that is so unlike any other on the NFL landscape right now, the fact that you don't recognize that 
is to me ridiculous. How do you not recognize that? Again, now, if there's something else that has happened, you know, if he got injured, his ankle getting off the bus, you know, two weeks ago, whatever, then so be it. But you knew what you were getting into with this. You knew what was necessary. And to treat this situation as volatilely as you have, starting with the owner, makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It, it just it just doesn't add up. And and to compare him to the other running backs in the league, right? Like like you don't pay running backs anymore. I get that. Super Bowl champions never have a star running back anymore. I get that. But this is a unique situation, and every situation with these running backs needs to be handled based on where they're at with the team. And this is a team with a young quarterback who needs as many playmakers and veterans around him to help this transition. Thirteen starts at Florida. We all know that. You've talked about this on the show. And you go to the other running back rooms in the league where those guys are worth every penny. Tennessee has built their team around Derrick Henry, and they've probably gotten as much as they can out of that dude, right? That guy's worth paying for. He's he's an anomaly. The other one is Christian McCaffrey. He's worth every penny that he's getting in San Francisco right now. Why? Because you had Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, take you to the NFC Championship game last year because of McCaffrey and the pieces around him. Now, Richardson's way more talented than Purdy, but my point is running backs still matter, and they still impact the game, and they still score points, especially for a team that's looking to run. And I know Jim Mersey, because he mentioned this, as soon as they drafted Richardson in the spring, he went back to 1998 when he had a veteran running back in place in Marshall Falk help a young rookie quarterback in Peyton Manning as a rookie. Now, Peyton struggled as a rookie. We know, I think it was 27 interceptions, that record he wants to be broken every single year, right? Now, Peyton struggled, right? And that was with Marshall Falk. And Peyton was the guy who started 45 games in Tennessee. So Richardson is coming in a lot more raw. Everything around him, every piece around him that makes that transition easier, that needs to be the entire number one focus of this organization. And that's why I'm with you. It's so strange how this has played out because I thought both teams were on the same page in April and May. I really did. So – the other part about this is this has been the building blocks, the blueprint, the path for six years of Chris Ballard is to have that. That's what he wanted. That's why he traded up three years ago for Jonathan yep. Taylor and got the blessing from the owner. So what has changed that dynamic? Because again, in the entire process of this team and where it is, once again, you get a situation where I'm sorry, in all of this, the general manager does not look good. What changed, John, was 2022 and the end of 2021. Don't you think the lessons of 2021, those last two games against Vegas and the collapse in Jacksonville, and then really last season, which was a continuation of the absolute bleep show that was the end of that last season, don't you think that changes their team-building approach? Don't you think it has to? Like, don't you think they need to step back and say, One, we convinced ourselves we were close and we weren't. And two, our team-building approach hasn't gotten us anywhere. Yeah, they've had some nice draft picks, but they couldn't couldn't figure it out last year. And they weren't as close as they thought in 2021 either. And the only reason they really kept it together in 20 was probably because of Phillip Rivers. They have not been as close as they thought. And their team-building approach where they're just paying these guys, like what's a big contract that you really like on this team right now that you really like? Shaq Leonard, injury history, didn't get him out there last year besides 70 snaps. Quentin Nelson regressed a little bit last year. Braden Smith's been fine. Ryan Kelly, his worst year last year. Like, Naheem Hines, they couldn't figure out how to use him. Like, name a big contract that this team has 
shelved out based on that team-building approach that you really like right now. And those big contracts are supposed to help you avoid the disaster that was 2022, regardless of the quarterback situation. So I think there's been some, some real deep thought put into this by Ballard and Ursay and the newcomer Shane Steichen. And I think, honestly, it's overdue because their team-building approach has been completely flawed the last couple of years. Not completely flawed, but it's certainly been flawed. We learned that with the way the last two seasons ended. And I don't think it's a bad thing that they're sitting back and reevaluating. Now, I don't know if Taylor's situation plays necessarily into that, but they got a lot of big contracts on this roster. And remember, they're paying Matt Ryan $12 million to call games for CBS. That's not helping them a whole lot. So I think it's fair for them to take a deep breath look at how they've built this, and maybe consider a different direction. So the only one that they literally don't take a deep breath on in this is the actual architect of this. He's the guy that gets the the seal of approval and gets to continue on making decisions now in a different fashion, even though he was the one that has taken us down this blueprinted path in the first place. There's where a lot of fans are going to go, well, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's fair. I think, I think Chris Ballard would tell you the same thing. Um, his, his first words in the opening press conference after last season was, I failed. I failed. And the tone was different when we talked to Jim Ursay in the spring, and this is what jumped out at me, was instead of saying we want Chris to be here for a long time, we anticipate Chris being here for a long time, which is what he said in the past. He said, look, everybody has to perform in this league. You have to succeed. I think Ursay didn't want to do a total overhaul. I think he wanted to keep Ballard on because he believes in his ability to draft well. He got his quarterback. He finally pulled the trigger on the quarterback. And I think if you see the upswing at the end of the season, this is really important for Ursay is how this team ends this season. He's not going to look at numbers, and he's not going to look at wins that much. He wants to see this team improving, and he wants to feel like this quarterback is a guy they can build around. I think that is what will determine if Chris Ballard's here for a long term is is Anthony Richardson the guy? Did they hit on that? And is he able, as an executive, to build around this guy the right way? They've never had that chance, but also they've never pulled the trigger on a quarterback in six years. So they had it all put together in, in 2018. Now, Ballard didn't draft that quarterback, but there was a really good team that was ready to compete. They screwed up trying to get back to that point. Now they're going to have to do it from scratch. And I think this is going to be the deciding factor in Ballard's long-term fate here is, where the arrow points at the end of this season. Zach Kiefer of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And if we're talking about here, honestly, a change in philosophy while not telling anybody there's a change in philosophy. I mean, I mean, you just let everybody notice, I guess, what people would call organically, right? I mean, with what you're doing at quarterback, um, it, it's just it, it's weird because you still have the contracts. You still have those players. They could have chosen to trade DeForest Buckner to get some value. They did not. So the trench belief on both sides of the football is certainly still there. But, but that aside... I've said this, Zach, many times. I may have even told you this. I, I thought the way that the Pacers handled the transition at the beginning of last season was perfect, and it turned out for them in the court of public opinion for Pacer fans as being perfect, too. You know, Rick Carlisle came on the show in October and said, hey, you know, this is a massive transition here, and some nights it's not going to look great. So I would ask for Pacer fans to have some patience, and we're going to build this thing up to – a product in which they're going to be proud. And you know what happened? What they did, they undersold it 
And then they over-delivered. Even not making the postseason, they over-delivered. With that one run in December, they over-delivered, whereas you have a fan base now that is completely happy and content of the path in which they're on. Why can't the Colts learn from that? Why can't they do that? Why can't they be that open and honest about an obvious situation like this and move forward? And again, what you do is you you overproduce for what our thought process is. We're probably all thinking, Zach, right now about five wins, maybe six at the most. I mean, if you just say that and you're open and honest about it, what to expect, again, you you over-deliver and you undercall your shot in this case. And the fact that they're not willing to do that or haven't done that is ridiculous to me, honestly. You know who owns the Colts? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can't we can't go one conversation without hearing about multiple Lombardis. Oh, and, we, I mean, that's I mean, we should be we we all recognize that's the anti right. now though, right? right. I, I think even he does, and and how you can tell is he's not as active in social media. He has been obviously in this situation too active, honestly, but he hasn't been outspoken on this. So is that what we're taking about his lack of outspokenness about the expectations of this team? Him knowing yeah. that, are, are they saying that without saying it again? Why do we have to read between the lines? Why can't they just say it? it just, they can't even do so much this. good for the fan base. Yeah, I'm with you. I love what the Pacers did. Uh, undersell, over-deliver, right? And, and, and that, would, that would be hard for the Colts because of Jim Mersey and his ambition. I wrote this about him one time. He's obviously the biggest Colts fan there are, but he's also a salesman. He sells hope. In 2019, during training camp in which Andrew Luck was not participating, Jim Irsay said, I have the privilege of bringing the best team to this fan base I've ever brought. Now think about that. Think about 2004 and 5 and 6 and 7 and all those great teams with Hall of Fame executive coach, running back, quarterback, receiver, and a ton of studs all over the place. He was ranking the 2019 Colts. Let's say Andrew Luck was healthy ahead of those teams with Manning and James and Harrison. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, he's selling fans hope, whether it's there or not. And I want to go back to a comment that Chris Ballard made at some point in the offseason when he was being pretty real with us on how bad this got. He said, one of the things we have failed the most at the last couple of years is managing expectations. And I think Holder was behind me in the press conference, and Holder said, yes, like all of us knew. All of us knew that they had failed at that. And it partly starts at the top. It starts with the owner chirping about winning the opener for a couple years in a row and Frank Wright getting a little annoyed with that, right? Now, if you don't want to be annoyed with it, win the opener for the first time in a decade. Um, But it also stems from him talking about winning multiple Lombardis and, and this talk of championships when you're not even close. The reality is the owner's talking about the upper quartile of the upper quartile during a press conference in which you have won one playoff game since 2014. Every team in your division has won the division multiple times since you last won it. Like, that's where this team is at. Andrew Luck's not coming back. Peyton Manning's not coming back. This is the new reality for this team, and it feels like you get it, the fan base gets it, and maybe the last person that's going to get it is Jim Mercy. But I do think he has a good pulse on where this team is at, even if he's not saying it publicly. He knows this is a long, slow rebuild. I don't get some of the decisions in terms of keeping guys if you're going to rebuild this around Richardson, but I understand you want to have a good infrastructure around him. Keeping guys like Buckner certainly does that. 
But the reality is this is this is not a team that's ready to compete for the next couple of years. You're just not going to hear them say that. Zach Kiefer is with us, and, and, and again, I still think even at the level in which we believe they're going to compete, they need a competent running back. And, you know, we go back to you know, Kareem Hunt and why they, they may have interest, whether or not it's significant. I guess we don't really know. But I would still charge them with what the hell regarding unless there's some other stuff we don't know the treatment of, of Jonathan Taylor and why you wouldn't deem him so necessary when you'd go out and investigate that of Kareem Hunt. That just that unless there's I'm sure there is a lot of stuff we don't know, Zach. That that's the thing that I really question right now is, you know, why you don't recognize what you have if you recognize and you're willing to take a chance on on somebody that has a pass like that. Uh is questionable at best. By the way, what are you writing about before I let you go? Yeah, I, I... Doesn't it speak to their desperation, you know, that, that, that they're willing yeah, to bring in that guy? That, but, I mean, everybody tells you that that's not a position in which you need to be desperate about, right? I mean, we all hear yeah. that all the time. Well, a fifth, sixth round, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. why, so why, you're, why are you stinking desperate now? I mean, for bodies? Well, get slide anybody in there. Who cares? Because it does matter. Because it does matter. And you look at their running back room and you go, yeah, dude, ugh, true. Yeah. Ugh, you know? Yeah, um, you don't want to be calling twenty-five runs a game for Anthony Richardson. Um, <laughs> I just got back. I was on a long camp road trip. I yeah. did training camp in Miami. I'm doing a longer story about the quarterback there, who might be the most fascinating guy in all of football this year, Tua Tagovailoa. And then I stopped by Tampa and caught up with some some more players, and then finished in Jacksonville and got to catch up with Trevor Lawrence and, and kind of write about the Jags revitalization under Doug Peterson. So lots to come from me, but uh, I haven't missed the chaos in Westfield. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's like that. It, 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 uh, it gets old, but because it, it's always there, right? I mean, it's always, always ready. I no matter for what nine years, man, it put some gray hairs on my head, man. It's, it's been nice to get away from it a little bit, but uh, I feel for my guys out there every day having to deal with Jonathan Taylor watch. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it is ridiculous. And again, I know we don't have all, the information but i guess it's just what we are left to and again i know they don't like it but that's what we're left with without answers of any sort any kind we're left open for interpretation and that's exactly what we did so this is i mean this is the first couple weeks of shane steichen's coaching head coaching career and like it's this is not fair to him it's just really not fair to him to put this to put him in this spot but that's the reality and it's a good it's a good welcome to the nfl moment in terms of if you're going to coach the Colts, there's going to be some drama. Tell you what, there's nothing more uncomfortable to watch than Shane Steichen try to explain to the media that is there um, something he doesn't want to try to explain to the media, like Jonathan Taylor's situation. You know, has, I mean, it's really he awkward. Has no interest in none. This. He has no interest Zero. in explaining this. Uh, no, he just, dude, he's just, he just wants to coach ball. Like that's all he wants to do. Well, then he chose the wrong place. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, at least he has to this point. Hey, man, uh, congratulations on the gig, and glad everything's going okay, and we'll check in periodically over the course of this season, man. Appreciate you. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic on Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What in the hell have I done? Trying to explain that and, you know, to give even sort of an answer – to a question you don't want to answer whatsoever, uh, you could tell that was happening yesterday.
Uh, Zach Kiefer, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Luke Bryan tickets still to come, too. We got our Harris Hoosier Park race of the day and Kevin Bowen at the top of the hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I turn this up just for a second. A common song in the 90s to hear at Kilroy Sports Bar. This is Canadian group, the band, Robbie Robertson, co-founder of the band, has passed away today. I believe he was 80 years old. I'd have to check that. Robbie Robertson, I believe, was 80 years old. You know of this song right here? This is, I think, the most popular from the group, the band. So right now, let me tell you this, and nothing against you at all, James. Right now, I have a producer that has no idea. Have you ever heard this song before? Um, James has never heard this song before. Who else out there? is a first-timer in terms of hearing the song, just out of curiosity. James has never heard The Wait by the band. R.I.P. Robbie Robertson. It's from Eric. Hey, JMV, has anyone ever stopped to consider that maybe the Colts aren't making a nice offer to Taylor because they don't think that highly of him? I, for one, think he's very overrated. He's good, but nowhere near elite. So you go through, Eric, you go through all this, and you don't want this guy. You're trying to run. I'm assuming this is what you're saying. If I'm wrong, you can let me know. So you're running off, in this case, according to what you're saying here, Jonathan Taylor, and you're willing right now to go out in the market and bring in for a look of consideration Kareem Hunt. That's where we are with this? That's what you want to do. Yeah, I don't know if I can get on board with that one. Hey, JMV, why is it every Colts training camp half the team's starters are injured and they only have been through practice or such? Makes zero sense. It is a rite of passage around here. And no doubt about that. Hey, JMV, it's getting old, so let's just run out the same lineup Friday. No accountability on the team. Manager, no balls. Manager with no balls. I mean, you don't mean baseballs. You mean like testicles. Okay. <laughs> he, the manager has plenty of baseballs, but just no, no testicles. All right. Yeah. I just, I, I hate to say it because I know it brings out the slip rock in me, but as I've told you in the past, I anticipated the downfall of the Reds. I just anticipated it. And, and you're just, you're seeing it right now. 
There, there wasn't enough there. It was incredibly exciting when they won 12 consecutive. June was awesome. But you had to ask yourself, with this group, is that sustainable? And I'm telling you what, Jake Fraley being out is a big deal right now, at least offensively. I, it's a big deal for me because I got to see Stuart Fairchild all the time. Just knew this was coming. Had to know this was coming. So I I soaked it all up in June. From Bobby. Uh, yeah, Eric, by the way, the Colts don't think the guy on the side of the damn stadium is any good. <laughs> I, just, I didn't even bring that one up, but Bobby, that's... That's also understandable. Yeah, this guy's not very good, but can you go ahead and put his poster up on the side of the stadium? That's incredible. And it's not not going well. Guys get what I talk about in comparison with the Pacers last year to that of the Colts? And and is it different? Zach brought up a difference there, and I've never brought this up. Uh, and Zach did that, you know, all these words of the past is like a, a comic book cartoon, you know, bubble of words in the air over the character. It's all out there in the past. Everything that the Colts owner have said, you know, all all of these expectations that they have never even come close to living up to. Is that all in your memory bank right here? And certainly the Pacers never offered that up. So maybe the Pacers started a year ago at an easier position to tell the fans, hey, just hold on a minute. But I will tell you this, the Pacers did deliver an excitement. They did give you a reason to think that this thing is going in the right direction. Right now, that in terms of the Colts, is it not? Via YouTube Live right now inside the lounge, is that not a huge question mark? It's a mystery. It is a mystery. And because you have been through so much, which commonplace has been negative, that's exactly how you think. Oh, it's easy to become negative. And believe me, most of you have not been through this. I mean, a lot of us, the older generation, knows knows bad. Knows of year after year of being bad. But that is that is a difference. I mean, the Pacers did start at a different spot. But they did. I mean, they they overproduced. Undersold the expectations and overproduced and made their fan base happy. We just stand to reason that maybe at some point the Colts could recognize that. It seems like there are so many games. And I mentioned this to Zach, too. Things are left open for interpretation. Thus, if you have a three-hour talk show on Indy, you have to interpret them in your own words. Things that you don't know, things that you're not privy to, things they're going to keep inside the building. And I understand that, certainly respect it. But at the same time, they also have to respect, and I know they don't like it, but they have to respect when you interpret things like, for example, this situation right now. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor, is is it truly 
just a a longer-term ankle injury not healing right situation? Or is it the the report of a couple of weeks ago from Stephen Holder and Mike Chappell clearly coming from the Colts about a non-football-related back situation? Or is it the Jonathan Taylor representation taking a page out of one of their, their playbooks here? What do you think? Uh, Todd's at 239-1070. Todd, before the break, jump on here. How are you? Hey, John. Good afternoon. Uh, hey, a little wager here. The next uh, Taylor to play in Lucas Oil Stadium, Swift or Jonathan? I mean, right now it looks like Taylor Swift. And, I, and now again, and I will say this: if they have found a way to still get Jonathan Taylor paid without playing, I mean, it could be it could be different. I, I just thought all along that ultimately you're going to have to see him because he was going to have to get money. He was going to have to get paid. But the the really the circumstances of the past 48 hours lead me to believe maybe something else may be at work here. Just a thought. Just a thought. And again, that's my interpretation of it because that's what we're left to go on. So I threw away my Encyclopedia Britannica because it's easier to call you. But let's um, let's turn turn the clock back two decades to when uh, number 29 wanted out of Los Angeles and eventually ended up here in uh, Indianapolis. What did the Colts give up to get Dickerson? Do you even remember? I, do you have it in front of you? Are you asking me I if I remember? I don't, I don't. Yeah. Oh, I don't, um, I don't remember exactly. It's more I, I, I more remember the. I just more remember the circumstances as to how the Dickerson era ended here, because our friend Rick yeah. Venturi at the time was the coach, and yeah, it all went pretty haywire for him. I, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head what they gave up. But the situation was there's some similarities. He wanted he forced his way out of L.A. and. We, we brought him in here, and, well, and I'm, I'm guaranteeing the price. Yeah, but, but the difference you look at, uh, the market for Spurs, certainly somebody like that back then was robust right. with right, a running right. back then. Right. I mean, he was he was, he was was number 29. <laughs> yeah, so he was that good. So Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, John. Have a good afternoon. Hey, Todd, call any time. JMV, I'm 55. I've been listening to you down through the years. You've always said the younger fan base was spoiled during the Manning era. Our age group has been through this before and all the drama and the Colts are known for the past. I've always said this, like our, Timothy, our age group, we're not spoiled because of what we went through. We're not. And I always took that as a jab. Well, you know what? Colts fans are just spoiled. Well, not everybody. Not everybody with a long-term memory going back to 1984. It's from Jason. So, when was the last time the Colts had an offseason and or training camp without drama? I bet local radio around this time in 08 was pretty boring. What did you talk about? You know what? It may have been boring, but, man, it was just so much about winning. And that's the time that Timothy is alluding to right here. That is the time. Remember when this team, this organization, he just rolled out of bed to win 13-plus in a regular season? Oh, ho-hum. You know, what mattered was the postseason. We rolled out of bed 13 plus. And I'm not suggesting it's that easy year after year. But that's when they had their blank together. Of course, that's when they also had Peyton Manning. Uh, different time, but a different interest. 
You know, back then you felt like a winner. I don't know what you feel like right now. What do you feel like right now? Quick break. We'll come back. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, Sky Point to the great Robbie Robertson of the band. Look at BT playing uh, up on Cripple Creek right here. Greg sent me, uh, check that, I'm sorry. Kevin sent me this. I remembered Cornelius Bennett was a part of it, but the uh, question was asked by Todd a couple of minutes ago. Three-team trade, getting Eric Dickerson here. The Colts gave up Cornelius Bennett to Buffalo. Buffalo gave up Greg Bell to the Rams. And that was it back then. For Eric Dickerson. Thank you, Kevin, for that. Uh, Corey writes this, in 08, you were talking about Manning's knee and opening Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, John writes this, pre-All-Star break success for the Reds makes your stomach feel the same way mine does on March the 1st as a Boiler fan (laughs) uneasy. Ouch. That's certainly problematic. Uh, yeah, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys are in there. I appreciate that. Tomorrow at the State Fair, me and Rob Base, free stage, Indiana State Fair. Tomorrow should be a blast. Classic hip-hop MC Rob Bass with me coming up tomorrow. Very excited about that. Dan Patch Stakes, that's on Friday. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. So don't miss that. And actually, I'll be up there for a while. Did you reach out to Chase Briscoe? It's weird. Did you reach out to Chase Briscoe, NASCAR driver? I'm looking to try and find the contact info for him. Hey, anybody in Lawrence County know Chase? Just go ahead and call him and have him call in here. Larry County. It, it is really weird, and, and that's okay because that's it's fine with me. But there was a point in time when I remember when, man, it would just, you know, NASCAR drivers, you get everybody, everybody's calling in, everybody's pumping up their products. And I don't know for the past two years if I've talked to one dude in NASCAR. I mean, you got all these names coming into town. And what is really, when you're thinking of Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be a fun time at IMS. And really, you go by Friday, too, Friday at Lucas Oil Raceway. You got Arca, you got the truck series. Blake, my son, is going with B. Near of Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance on Friday out to Claremont to see the trucks and Arca, and then going with Tony Donahue to see IndyCar and the Xfinity series on Saturday. That is weird. That's like nothing. Absolutely zero. They roll into town. I know that we have one thing going on. I think Jake's at Advanced Auto Parts later this week with Joey Logano, but that's it. That's weird. 
Really weird. It's just like you blow into town. It's like any other thing now. Um, Tom Pelissero. Kareem Hunt is leaving Indianapolis without a deal per a source. Offer was made by the Colts, unable to reach an agreement. And I thought all along that this was a push to up the compensation possibility with New Orleans. That seemed more feasible now. And again, Tom Palacero says Kareem Hunt leaving Indy without a deal. Offer was made by the Colts. No agreement. Continued interest for Kareem Hunt for other teams. We'll talk to Kevin Bowen about that coming up at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107 by the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, track size tonight at 7, Beyond the Bricks at 8. Greg, Greg Straw, Zach Kiefer, podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Jim McCann in Southern California with a tweet. I don't know if we call it a tweet now. With an X. A great point yesterday made by your guest, Mike Tannenbaum. Anthony Richardson needs to give or check that needs to have his protection reads down before you can safely start him in the regular season. I want him out there, but Mike is absolutely right. I disagreed wholeheartedly with Mike Tannenbaum yesterday about that. I think that it should be made a point for him to be ready in week number one, and I hope that is the case. So why all this seems so incredibly ridiculous. All of it. Hey, by the way, in case you missed it, according to Tom Palacero, evidently the Colts did make an offer to Kareem Hunt, who has been in town. But Kareem Hunt is leaving town on a jet plane without a deal and will weigh other options. I said yesterday I felt that his representation was trying to squeeze more money out of the Saints because you could tell with all these national reporters, newsbreakers of the NFL, they all had the same quote about a great visit in New Orleans. But, hey, great visit there. But he's on a jet getting an Indy because Indy obviously has a situation of need here, which to me is still ridiculous. You even had that overture, but they did. But according to Palacero, an offer by the Colts was made, but a deal was not struck and Kareem Hunt leaving town. On that note, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. Morning shows, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. Um, I understand uh, desperate times, desperate measures, all that stuff, but I, I can't quite laugh enough because all I ever hear in support of Jonathan Taylor in this is, you know what, running backs are a dime a dozen. 
running backs are a dime a dozen no matter what and should be viewed that way especially this time considering what they don't have at that position in camp running backs are a dime a dozen yet you want to bring in a guy like kareem hunt with that past to coincide with that lack of recent history production uh, is somewhat mind-blowing to me. And the Colts actually offered him something, and evidently no deal was struck here. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say, Kev, about that. I just don't. Yeah, John, I think it's uh, it's quite the statement of where your franchise is at when, as you just laid out there, I thought pretty well, the desperation mode that you appear to be in where whether it's off the field, and I think you can make a strong argument even on the field with Cream Hunt right now, that this is the type of player and the type of person you're willing to try and bring into your organization. Um, You know, I I think, you know, I I certainly tried to speak and I know Jake did as well this morning. And, you know, some people probably don't give two, you know, what's about my moral compass or whatever, but I think it's pretty utterly pathetic. The Colts would even make an offer to Kareem Hunt for off the field reasons. But, you know, if you just want to live in the football moment, the guy, you know, averaged under four yards per carry last year with Cleveland and is slowly approaching the age of 30. And if you are under four yards per carry and you're getting closer to 30, I don't really know what that does for you in terms of helping out your running back room. And I, I would assume, given the offer, I mean, Kareem Hunt has never played special teams in his NFL career. So, you know, to me, it's more of like, boy, you start reading tea leaves here. What does that say about your other running backs? <laughs> what does that say, obviously, about Jonathan Taylor, all of those things? But, um, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs when for an organization that, you know, preaches kicking the stigma and they're willing to offer a guy that kicks a woman, um, I think that, 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 that sadly states kind of an accurate depiction of what the Colts are willing to do right now, um, considering where they're at. For the disposability of a position in the NFL, as has been talked about, and a reason, even before all of this, the Colts were unwilling to move off of what they were wanting to give Jonathan Taylor in the final year of his deal, and then to believe that you could find an answer in Kareem Hunt, to me, is ridiculous. Just is. Just is. Yeah, it, you know, the whole diamond dozen thing that you brought up earlier, John, you know, it, the comparison that I've tried to make with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I guess, based off the Colts, is this. You know, when the Colts over the last few years have rolled with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines as their two running backs, there's been a stark contrast in Naheem Hines as a runner versus Taylor. Like, the games that Taylor has been out, which, you know, haven't been many, but, you know, here as of late, again, oftentimes Hines would be passed up as a guy that, you know, you would use in a more traditional first and second down role, you would use somebody else and kind of keep Hines isolated right. in that third down usage and, and, and kind of mix and match. And, and I guess in a way that's kind of Hunt with Cleveland. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, it is a huge difference between Nick Chubb as a starting running back behind a great offensive line versus, and I brought up the yards per carry earlier, of Kareem Hunt at 3.8. And again, I don't think Hunt gives you, you know, what Hines does as a returner and as a receiver, and he's much older as well. So, um, boy, it's uh, it's head-scratching on multiple levels. And, again, I, I, I don't want to harp too much on the moral aspect of it. I think just purely football-wise, to me it's like, wow, first Kenyon Drake, now potentially this. I was there on, you know, yesterday at practice. I saw the running back room that was healthy. Um, it was 
two rookies, an undrafted free agent, a fifth rounder. It was a guy, Jake Funk, that has two carries in the NFL. And it was Kenyon Drake, who was, you know, obviously on his couch a week ago. So I, I understand where they're at right now with Deion Jackson a little banged up. Obviously, Zach Moss out for a month, month and a half. But it, it's still kind of showing your cards a bit that you're willing to go here. And what does that say about Taylor? And what does that say about, you know, how you view him just in the 2023 light? with this football team. All right, we, we can start right here if you want to. I mean, you bring him in and you show all signs, and obviously this report from Pelissaro and Schefter that's all coming from the Kareem Hunt representation, and I felt all along that they were just trying to get more money with this story itself out of New Orleans because that's where they ultimately wanted to go. But this also serve a purpose for the Colts and, you know, say, hey, we're serious about not worrying about Jonathan Taylor on this team, you know, whatsoever through all this. I, I think it's a pretty ridiculous way to go with it to prove that point or to give yourself an angle on it. But I guess that ultimately could be part of it. And then also, Kev, I want you to play off of this. With all that we know right now, uh, we're forced – to ultimately in all this interpret what's going on and I can't help with my interpretation until I find out otherwise that I'm wrong that some of this on the rehabbing the ankle has more to do with making sure his client gets paid on the Jonathan Taylor side than it has anything to do with an ankle situation right now you've been out there you may know certainly better than i do but that's the first thing that popped into my mind is maybe this is a blueprint a plan b of sorts that's being played out more so than anything else what do you think well i would say a couple years ago john and again i could be off on this but there is some evidence to point to of a client of the same agent that represents Jonathan Taylor, uh, being Shaquille Leonard, finding a contract, and then three days later, after missing 10 straight practices to open up camp, he, he's good to go, and he starts participating in camp. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's exactly the same scenario, but it's probably worth pointing out, considering, again, the representation is... Yeah. So, so you, you think this sounds player. like a play, play from the playbook of the representation? I think it's worth pointing out. Hey, that's, um, and that, and I have stuff. yesterday. I, I had Mike Tannenbaum and I had a conversation about it because I felt – because we go back – a month ago, Jim Mercer told Pat McAfee that he was all healed up. All mm-hmm. healed up. Right. So what, what's right. transpired um, is is basically just a soap opera-esque back and forth until where right. we are right now. To me, it seems like, again, a ploy, a scheme from the Taylor side of things. And, and I would tell you where I have a little pause and fully going there and – in just a second, but um, again, I've heard very conflicting things in regards to Taylor's health, whether he could give it a go tomorrow or this is something that he literally is off-site getting whatever, second opinion, rehabbing for a reason. And basically why I have the pause is because Taylor, I think, is a pretty unique NFL player in that before last season, if you go back to his two years in the NFL before that, his three years at Wisconsin, his four years of high school football, that's nearly a decade of football. The guy never missed a game and never missed a practice. And he plays arguably the most punishable position, maybe not even arguably, the most punishable position on the football field. And so when he encounters this ankle issue last year and it forces him to miss games, I think it's the first time that Taylor's ever gotten to a point physically where all of a sudden he's like, man, I, I don't know if I can give it a go. 
And then I think you obviously factor in the contractual like timeline of, okay, it's year three of a second round pick, which means extension could be coming, means contract year could be coming, all of those elephants in the room. And that probably is weighing on him. I, I recall several times, and hell, John, there are probably several conversations we had last year, you and I, on Wednesdays, where you asked me about Taylor's status for Sunday, and I thought, yeah, I think he's going to give it a go. And then we get to, like, Thursday, we get to Friday. I think I still kind of felt confident about it. And then all of a sudden, something would change in that last kind of 48-hour window. And, and I am curious, like, how much of that is Taylor all of a sudden kind of being like, yeah, I'm not going to push it, push it. And that's where I kind of question a little bit of my, is this Leonard 2.0 from two years ago? Which, again, I, I don't even know is if that's you know fair for me to go all the way there. But I just think Taylor has never dealt with this before. Um, I think he showed expressions of doubt last year in trying to play through it. And this was before the season went off the rails. Um, and, and so that's where I have a little bit of pause of, like, is this more? Now, frankly, if you're a fan of the Colts and you want to see Jonathan Taylor run for 1,500 yards this year, you would much rather hope that this is a guy that's trying to do this contractually than he is doing it help. What, what do you actually so think right now? What do you think? You think you think he's actually still trying to come back from that injury? Do you think it's that, or do you think it's more of an agent ploy? I'd probably put the piece of the pie a little bit bigger on the agent ploy, but again, I don't say that super confidently. And yeah, I understand. Yeah, I want to make that clear. Like I, I don't. I'm, I don't because I have heard such conflicting things with this Taylor situation. I mean, I can recall in the spring where it was like, oh, yeah, he's going to go do some field work after after practice. I'm like, okay, he'll be good to go at the start of camp, just like Michael Pittman, who had missed, you know, all of the spring with the with the hip injury. And, you know, he's taken every meaningful rep that you'd expect Michael Pittman to to take here in camp. But uh, that's where I'm just kind of torn on it from a Taylor sense of exactly where he is at physically. But I do think we are slowly approaching a drop-dead date of that dude's got to get on the field if he wants to be ready week one. I mean, again, he missed the final three games of last season. You know, he hasn't done any sort of football activity from a team or practice standpoint in that in that frame. Um, they've got – I mean, I would highly doubt he practices tomorrow. We'll see about next week. I know Shane Steichen didn't close the door shut on – him participate in training camp. I joke with Mike Chappell, and unfortunately, Chap's dealing with some hip issues. I think there's a better chance that Chap practices in training camp than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Steichen was just trying to get out of that. He didn't want to go any further whatsoever. There was nobody more uncomfortable than being asked and given an answer to a couple of questions than Shane Steichen yesterday with that. Yeah, I compare Shane Steichen answering those questions <laughs> to me trying to dodge you playing baby music with my father-in-law and uh, listening on the other end to <laughs> awkward, it. Awkward, um, very awkward, think, yes. Yes, um, yeah, awkward. You could throw probably several Ks in there uh, and, and emphasizing that. Um, so that's where I, I, I guess we are starting to get to a point where actions are speaking. And the actions are a signing of Kenyon Drake, an offer to Kareem Hunt, Jonathan Taylor not being there, and we're going to get more actions next week, whether it's continued absence, uh, whether it's him not on the practice field. Like at some point, if you get to August 20th, 25th, whatever you want to circle on the calendar, Taylor has to practice. And, and this sounds wild, but I'm thinking about Saturday in the preseason game, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Evan Hall as a fifth-round pick is a dude that might be needed to put in bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, you can't take any injuries at that position for sure, Kev. You might need him for 30, 40 snaps 
come week one. So it, it, it is um, it is beyond wild that we are here with Taylor, and, and we're here running back-wise because it's not just Taylor. The boss broken forearm, the Deion Jackson injury, um, there are several in the whole Kareem Hunt thing. There, there, there are many layers to this. Yeah, there's no doubt. How serious do you think that they honestly were regarding Kareem Hunt to put a bow on that? Well, I think if you make an offer, I mean, that's, I mean. I, I mean, I, 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 I understand. I just, I, I, I'm coming from the national coverage side. I, I It's obviously from the agent. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I guess an offer is an offer. That, you, Ultimately, it's an offer. It, it is an offer. So you're right. So You and I both know this, John. Obviously, a lot of these reported stories, particularly offers, are agent-driven. Yes. They, and you pointed this out you know, perfectly in the last 24 hours. You know, so much of this is probably to drive up the, the asking price for, for Kareem Hunt. If the Colts want to control the narrative, and we've seen this here in the last few weeks, they have people in that organization, particularly at the top of the organization, that will leak whatever they want to get out there. And, but and they leak it locally. Taylor's, They'll leak that locally for their sure. angle. But, they, but they, so I mean, far, the national I mean, comes from the agent. Right. I mean, so far, and I, yeah, the, the Hunt story's been out yeah. there for 30 minutes, but right. I would think if you want to debunk this, you have some avenues and there are people in this market that would certainly, you know, make sure that that get, gets out there. And um, as of now, and again, I haven't checked Twitter since I hopped on with you, but I, I haven't seen anything to debunk that. I just I can't help but thinking, and I know it's a long way to go. And at the same time, I mean, you're going you're going to take some hits in the process. I mean, even considering Kareem Hunt, but sometimes I wonder if it's more of all right. We're not seriously going to bring this dude in, and I know the report out there that they offered him, but we're not serious about this. But we do want to make again perfectly clear. I mean, here's another avenue we could take if we want to uh, with with Jonathan Taylor. So I, I don't know. That, again, that's being in this market for so long. Those are things I never would have considered in the past. That in this time and place with the Colts that you now do. Yeah, it, it's it's wild. And again, even if you want to totally sweep the cream hunt off the field stuff under the rug, just look at him as a football player, John. Yeah, three point eight a carry. Exactly. And, and he asked for a trade. Age he is. He asked for a trade at the beginning of the season out of Cleveland last year. Yeah, it's just like well, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't get that either. Uh, I, I'd rather opt for you know youth and and a little bit more juice than than what that indicates, but. Again, this is the state that you're at, and I mean, hell, if you're Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew right now, you might be running the wing tee here in week one. Yeah, and, and I mean, it just goes against – so much of this goes against what their philosophy has been with Chris Ballard and, and what their philosophy needs to be this year. Because I mean, you've stated with Jonathan Taylor that you do believe, as of right now, until he proves it to you, that running backs are a dime a dozen, and he doesn't deserve anything more right now. But at the same time, with bringing in Kareem Hunt and checking this him out, you you do, I think, put more value with that on a position where you're trying to sell to everybody out here with Jonathan Taylor in mind that it's not as as valuable as Taylor and his reps would believe. I mean, it's so. Such a level of mixed messaging that's going on with this right yeah. now. It's incredible. And, and I'm also curious this, John, and I don't have a great answer for it, but I think it's a question that certainly has been on my mind here over the last couple of days. You know, how much is the Colts' stance on Taylor? Clearly not wanting to offer him an extension. 
How much of this was decided upon pre-physical questions, injury questions, however you want to label it? And I went back to that report day, you know, now two weeks ago and a day ago, and if you look at the Chris Ballard answers there, he very briefly mentions the ankle. I mean, he stresses the four-win season, a new offensive staff needing to evaluate everybody on this roster, much more than he stresses any injury. And it just seems like the stance that the Colts have had with Taylor is something that is more, and again, the injury probably adds to it, but that it, there was hesitancy, there was, whether it was a decision was made internally, that they weren't going to offer him an extension before that. I don't think this is all driven by the injury. I think there has been a, a, a challenging of blueprint, a change in blueprint, however you want to describe it, uh, even before Taylor's health status, which, again, super conflicting reports on that, um, has risen to the level that it has gotten to here in, you know, on August 9th. And see, Mark sends me this. He said people wanted Ballard to change his philosophy, and now that he has, it's a problem. You can't have it both ways. Um, While I would look at that, I understand, but you're still – in a situation with what you want to get out of your quarterback and how you hope he evolves that to me, somebody that has been as productive in the past that you know can be is a value here. Whereas you kind of get to stick with that. Even if you are changing your philosophy blueprint wise, you need somebody behind Anthony Richardson to help out that rookie quarterback that's so inexperienced and again i understand if you want to change and you do have to change but to me changing it with this situation in mind um and and leaving kind of your rookie hanging out there with just such a lack of production in that backfield again if jonathan taylor is healthy um, that's a little mind-blowing to me it's just something i think you have to understand here even if you are of the thought that you got to change your philosophy here Yeah, and Mark asks a totally fair question, and I've been certainly one of those people that's and has asked. I've asked Ballard, seemingly probably three years in a row now. Does your blueprint need to be changed at all, considering the results that they have led to? But I think you can't live in the you're building an expansion team tomorrow. Sort of my, it's not a complete blank canvas for Chris Ballard. He just drafted Anthony Richardson at four overall. And now the only thing that matters, the moment you took Richardson, probably moving to the next, I'd say, three years, considering how big of a developmental project he appears to be, the most important thing is your support for him, your support and your development from a coaching staff. Those are the most critical, beyond critical pieces for your organization. Every move you make, and particularly offensively, has got to be driven behind that. It's why you saw Jacksonville and Doug Peterson come into that building last year and do what a lot of people mocked in paying Evan Ingram the amount of money they did and Christian Kirk the amount of money they did and Zay Jones the amount of money they did because they knew Trevor Lawrence just went through a hellacious rookie season and he was in some fragile moments. And if you don't get him right, then your organization's going to be set back for the next five to seven years. And that's where, while Ballard's blueprint needs to be different, you can't also ignore the reality of where you're at right now in 2023, and that is you've drafted this quarterback, and if you don't support him, then you're going to be gone, and your organization is, again, going to be way behind the eight ball for the next 
whatever, five to seven years. And obviously Taylor's health dynamic throws a massive curveball into all of this. But as you just said, John, assuming he is healthy, you know, that's where um, I have said three years, 39 million, you, you, you front load the contract. So you don't get caught up in the franchise tag that's going to rise. And I know people have said, no, just tag them every year. Well, that franchise tag rises and it gets to some really high, high, high levels. If you front load the contract, you can kind of get around that. Again, all of this is assuming Taylor is healthy. The right approach, if, if an expansion team is starting tomorrow, you don't take a running back till, till day three and you, and you try to build that way. But again, that's not the reality of where the Colts are at right now. You know, it's funny with all this we've actually seen past production from the running back from jonathan taylor and clearly there is that lack of belief moving forward with jonathan taylor playing that position in mind whereas the architect of all this gets a reboot even though there has not been that production in the past and he gets to move forward in retooling this again that's what's kind of interesting about this entire thing to me yeah, I mean, this probably goes back to January, John, but I, I would argue GMs that have produced the resume that Chris Ballard has produced through the first six seasons, I would argue 90-some percent of them would have been fired. Well, I mean, first we'd and, have to find somebody who was, allowed, I mean, going into a seventh year. And that's just the facts. It's the facts. We're like Kevin Brown yeah. here. It's We're giving the facts that there are rarely anybody that in this, this day and age of the NFL, really any sports, if you're the general manager, do you survive something like that? Sure. And again, you can list everything. You can list yeah. the no division titles, the one playoff win. I would say maybe the most damning thing if I were Jim Ursay to look back on in particular last year is what Chris Ballard's blueprint is all about, trenches, offensive line, offensive line. That's what failed this organization more than anything. And again, when, when what you believe in is failing, we can challenge if what you believe in is the right yeah. thing, which again, I would push back on and, and that's something we've talked about. But what you believe in when that is I would say maybe the domino that started it all last year. That's when I think you have to have some real, real questions. But you know, obviously he's getting a seventh year, and and, and now you run into the awkward situation as as an organization of like if you win three or four games this year, does Ballard get an eighth year? Like, is this just a? Oh yeah, a, yeah. You know, there's that. Don't you think so? I, I have right, I right. Have, but, I, but yeah. I'm like. Because you run into this thing where if you fire him, now Shane Sykins in this lame duck situation. Because yeah. now you're bringing a new GM in for Syke. And that's just what makes this thing so complicated and and such a mess. So you've got this window, in my mind. You've got kind of this three-year window. That's when you make the first big decision on Richardson. Um, you've got to obviously see st- signs there. And how I view it is, again, putting Taylor's health to the side for a second. If you're living in this three-year bubble, the most important thing is number five showing that he should be here long-term. No doubt. And that's where yep. I view it as Taylor being a big-time asset. Yeah, and I've, we've talked about this before. I just brought this up again with Zach Kiefer. The way the Pacers handled things a year ago was brilliant. Uh, considering where they are today, what we thought about them this time last year, uh, what the fan base was told, and you know how they undersold it and over-delivered it. And that is so incredibly necessary. And really, to over-deliver it here, do I think they're going to win more than six games? No. But as you mentioned, if you get pops here and there, not consistently, but pops of enthusiasm and juice created by this offense and created by this rookie quarterback, that will bridge the gap. 
That will help you sustain. But I just think that you also have to be honest as well. This is not stuff anymore, I think, that you're going to be able to keep on the down low. If you just took the blueprint of the Pacers and told the folks out there just a little bit, let them in a little bit, a little bit transparent, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what you should expect, and then over-deliver on that, I think you put yourself in a much better position than they currently are riding in. Yeah, I, I would agree on that. Um, and I'm curious, you know, a week from Saturday, John, I, I assume that's when we will hear from Jim Mersey again, you know, typically that home preseason game. Yeah, with Rick, with Rick and Greg in the right. booth. Yeah. He, he will slide in the booth there with Greg Rakestraw and Rick Venturi. And I said to Rick last Friday when we had him on, I go, Rick, you're going to be the one that gets the next big answer from the Colts. <laughs> yeah, and, you know? he will. And, yeah. And he, he, I don't expect Bauer to talk anytime soon. Obviously, we just went over the Shane Steichen, you know, song and dance that he, he's been playing. I don't think we'll hear from Taylor. Who knows? Maybe we will. So a week from Saturday, that's when Ursay will answer a Taylor question, unless Greg Rakeshaw's not allowed to ask that if, if the Colts want to act like, you know, Kevin Brown and the Orioles. Uh, and, you know, in typical Ursay fashion, he'll choose, obviously, whatever path he wants to go down. I would assume Ursay will address kind of, 2023 as a whole and and where the organization is at and how things should be viewed. Yeah, it's some wild stuff. It really is. Um, And I I said this a little bit earlier. Uh, You never say never. You never say no way here. We have learned by experience that you can't say, well, there's no way that's going to happen. Because as soon as you do, that's exactly what happens around here. We have learned by experience. (laughs) And I mean, things at some point just need to level out. You know, need to level out without all this. And it just seems like that they have stepped from stone to stone along the way here, even from season to season, and gotten themselves into a a situation that is uh, not the most becoming for an organization trying to rebuild and regather the the respect of a fan base around here that probably lost a great deal of it a year ago, Kev. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hope and all the intrigue, the injection of life, the massive crowds, we've seen in Grand Park, it it can get overshadowed. And it has been overshadowed with all this Taylor drama. And again, it it can subside before September 10th. But right now, obviously, that's the prevailing topic. And so much of that is on that rookie's shoulders. I wonder if he has uh, any real idea how much of that is riding on him. (laughs) I know. You know, I I thought about this, but and I know it's not the same. But, you know, Halliburton and Richardson, I think inevitably will start to be compared together moving forward in just how they represent each organization. And I know the NFL is not like this, but if this was the NBA, you know, and, and the Pacers yeah. had a player like Taylor and this was happening, Halliburton would be on a one-way ticket out of town with, with, with how that, you know, league is, yeah. is so yeah. player-driven. And again, I know the NFL is not like that, but I think you're starting to see quarterbacks, whether it's the guarantees in the contract or, you know, Deshaun Watson situation. I mean, they now start to dictate a little bit more, so – yeah, Richardson's got to prove himself without question, but you better keep that man happy as well. You got support him, and keeping him happy right. is supporting him, and supporting him on the yep. field, supporting him with production on the field. And, and you know, it's funny, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, sometime. But the offensive line. You know, the secondary, you know, the cornerbacks. I mean, you all get a pass right now because we're also concentrating on other things and not that. And those are things where this team, this organization, has, have literally crossed their fingers and just hope that things are different, whereas you have no real thought that they, they could be, given what we have witnessed here. You know, the, the exodus that we have seen in the secondary, the just the, the reboot of what we saw from a year ago. 
um, with that bad group at offensive line. Things we'll talk about later on, but get sidestepped right now because of what we're talking about regarding the running back. So hopefully that changes. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's, the Shaquille Leonard story should be celebrated right now, but, you know, unfortunately it yeah. gets pushed to the back burner. Kev, you and Mark are up at Grand Park in Westfield tomorrow morning, right? We are. Jake Query driving back Bob Kravitz and company after the Bruce Springsteen concert at Wrigley. So, yes, it'll be Mark Dykeson and myself tomorrow at Colts training camp. I bet Kravitz is drunk in the trunk on the way home. I bet you. Uh, Jake was like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't even drive home ago. I go, I think Bob will be asleep uh, probably 40 miles north of Fair Oaks. Bob will fall asleep during glory days up there. <laughs> <laughs> As you make your way through the parking lot, Bob, Bob will be <laughs> uh, Buddy, I appreciate it. We'll be listening. Westfield tomorrow morning. That's Kevin and Mark on uh, the morning show. Appreciate you, Kev. Yep, see you, John. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. By the way, Andy Moore, Automotive Group, Hotline, Race of the Day. Here's Hoosier Park, Race of the Day, and Luke Bryan tickets coming up. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, kid. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. But I got a beer in my hand. How in the world is this title better than I leave my barn door open? Come on. Now, look at this big hit right here. Luke Bryan on tour. Luke Bryan, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. That is coming up on August the 18th. Got a pair of tickets for you right now at 239-1070. But I got a beer in my hand or I leave my barn door open. Come on. Why should I even have to explain that? Number nine is going to win. Check it out and check it out now. Here is Hoosier Park Race of the Day coming up in a minute as well. You know, I mentioned Mark Tinsley who sent me a a tweet or an X or whatever it is. Uh, People wanted Ballard to change his philosophy, and now that he has, they have a problem with it. You can't have it both ways. And while I think everybody would be happy if there is a philosophical change in how you build a team, You just got to understand where you are right now and the importance of some production, especially behind you, and having a former producer like Jonathan Taylor is a big deal. Now, the caveat here is if he's injured, he's injured. You know, if he didn't come back right from this injury, then so be it. Fine. But we don't know that to be certain yet. But we do know this, that their inexperienced rookie quarterback with so much on his shoulders – moving forward here as we just talked about he is necessary even if he is of a past rebuild that most want forgotten here that part is still true it's from Allen JMV I keep hearing about running backs no good over 30 Frank Gore was 50 plus years old and started for the Colts for three years well, that said, I do want Jonathan Taylor back. 
Yeah, and Frank Gore was an exception to the rule. There are exceptions to the rule. You know, our thought on Jonathan Taylor's necessity within this team right here and right now is is certainly different than how we view long-term an NFL winning team looking. Yeah, frankly, with Chris Ballard in mind, he's running things, and I hope that he's had a philosophical change. So do you. I would certainly gather that as being the case if if that's how they look at Shane Steichen moving forward. But again, I always remind people that are so quick to say, yeah, running back by committee and all that stuff. In Philly, they had a 1,200-yard rusher. Now, again, they had a 700-yard rusher and a quarterback. But they had a go-to guy out of the backfield, even with a team that went to the Super Bowl and had that level of success. And that's not what we're looking at here. We're looking at survival. You're looking at learning, helping, supporting. That's the biggest issue here. Hey, tomorrow's show, me and Rob Bass, free stage, Indiana State Fair. You guys can join me out there. Entire show, Rob Bass. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass, and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known throughout the microphone. You want me to go ahead and do that? What will you think about that if I fire that off tomorrow? But it should be a good time. Uh, Rob Bass. I'm not sure if he's going to join me or not, but if he does, that'll be cool. Indiana State Fair Free Stage. I'll be doing this show there tomorrow. Dan Patch coming up on Friday. The legendary Dan Patch. And me with an opportunity to donate yet again to our friend Margaret and the gang at Teacher's Treasures. I'll tell you how we're going to do that, but you can join me at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Uh, That is coming up on Friday as we will talk up the Dan Patch. It's from Andrew, JMV, looking into the future. Just a bit here. If the Colts win three games and get the first pick, do they hypothetically draft Caleb Williams or trade back a pick? to get Marvin Harrison Jr. I think uh, unless something goes just Andrew catastrophically haywire. And I mean poof catastrophically haywire. In this scenario that you give to me in this tweet it would be uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Again, if you can and I'm just going by what you have written here. catastrophic i'll tell you yeah make no mistake about that yeah people were talking about jamvi i agree with you regarding what i think kareem hunt's representation wanted out of this wanted more money out of new orleans Uh, again if you missed it a little bit earlier before kevin bowen came on tom palisaro he reported kareem hunt leaving indy without a deal Offer was made by the Colts, according to Palacero. Unable to reach an agreement, continued interest from other teams. I had felt all along maybe that was a push by the representation to get more out of a Saints team that clearly his representation had all the national big-time breaking news NFL reporters saying and quoting, having a great visit in New Orleans, but was off to Indy. Seemed like he wanted a raise there. 
see if he gets it. But evidently, according to Tom Palacero, came and went here with an offer, according to Palacero, from the Colts to Kareem Hunt, but without a deal. All right, 239-1070. Some of your calls before we uh, get out of this show. Well, top of the hour track. Check that. I'm sorry. 7 o'clock track side. Beyond the Bricks coming up at 8 o'clock. Greg Rakestraw, Zach Kiefer, and Kevin Bowen all on the show. Ian Eagle, CBS, and more is going to join us coming up tomorrow. Friend of the show. Can't wait to do that again. Again, Indiana State Fair coming up tomorrow as well. But coming up next, if you have uh, retweeted and gotten in, your chance at 50-50 betting and dining. At Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson, the race of the day is coming up next. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. Congrats to Ron Paris. First place with Inquisitive Dan. That win produced five sixty. The exact payout was thirteen bucks. The uh, trifecta went for ten ninety five. Ron, shout out to you, Ron. Fifty fifty in betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Harris Hoosier Park is live standard bread racing through December the eighth. Keep tuning in to this show. Check out my Twitter feed as well or X. At JMV 1070 for your chance to win with the race of the day right here on 93.5 and 107.5 of the fan. Congratulations to Ron. That 50-50 in betting and dining is going to come in really handy, man. Promise. The pictures from Lahaina, Maui are absolutely devastating. Evidently, there has been a massive wildfire that has swept through a lot of the island of Maui and has left in its wake just an incredible amount of devastation. I just, the pictures are unbelievably awful. Now, also to mention this, and this has got no level of importance whatsoever, but just because this is a sports show and, and it's sports-related, um, Lahaina is where the Maui Invitational in college basketball is held. And the pictures are not good. Of course, Purdue, I believe, is scheduled to be involved in the Maui Invitational in November Uh, None of that matters right now other than just the absolute devastation and your heart has to go out to those there. That's awful. Absolutely awful. Major fires burning across Maui and the Big Island amid high winds. The video shows Lahaina's popular front street on fire. Multiple structures have burned. As of nine hours ago, no confirmed fatalities. I haven't seen anything, at least across my desktop, that is much more immediate than that. But the videos are terrible. 
and and that that's that's paradise right there. So the entire island basically on fire. Lahaina is the town, the popular tourist town on the island. Apartments, hotels, stores burned down. Uh, the Lahaina Civic Center, where the Maui Invitational is played, has been a part of this. Uh, it is awful. Absolutely awful. I digress. This is from Jim McCann, Southern California. I'm down with I leave my barn door open. Whether you're a rancher, a farmer, an old retired guy, or a sports talk show host, we've all been there and probably more than once. I think that's an outstanding song title. Indeed that it is. Should be utilized more. And the news of the day is Kareem Hunt paid a visit to the Colts, according to Tom Palacero. Uh, the NFL Network, he was offered by the Colts. However, upon leaving Indianapolis, there was no deal. And I had thought all along this was you know, about getting more money, for example, from New Orleans. But according to Tom Palacero, the Colts did seem it, dub it important enough to give him an offer, make him an offer that evidently they did not strike a deal according to Tom Palacero. But uh, the offer was made, and that's where I get to. I mean, you got you got Jonathan Taylor that you deem not important enough to give anything other than the final year of his contract. And now your situation at that position with Taylor rehabbing on the pup list and other injuries, you feel it necessary to compromise a situation like this and bring in even for a workout and for an offer Kareem Hunt somebody's going to have to explain explain to me at all how that makes sense desperation okay more on that coming up tomorrow my thanks to Greg Rakestraw Zach Kiefer and Kevin Bowen the podcast 107.5thefan.com everybody inside the lounge via YouTube live Aaron call me back tomorrow I can't get to you I don't have enough time tomorrow we'll do that man I hope you're feeling better by the way James, great job out of you. Tomorrow, more of the Luke Bryan tickets. Tomorrow, the Indiana State Fair free stage. It's me and Rob Bass beginning at 3 tomorrow. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.